What's up, college basketball fans? And welcome to the eighth episode of the Sports C3 podcast, a podcast featuring content coverage and commentary only on college basketball. I'm your host, WB, and I have an exciting show for you today as the Sweet 16 is set in college basketball, and I'll provide you with insights on each game, recap some of the first and second round games, and I'll provide you with the latest college basketball coaching updates. Thanks so much for listening to the Sports C3 podcast. From the buzzer beaters to the MVP performances, the Sports C3 podcast will provide you with the latest updates and insights to stay informed on college basketball. Be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and follow me on Twitter at the Sports C3 pod. First, before I update you on the Sweet 16 matchups, I'll provide you with updates and insights on the first and second round. And overall, in the first and second round, I think there are several key trends to focus on. The first is the Pac-12. The Pac-12 had five teams advance to the second round. And that is an extremely impressive, in my opinion, because the Pac-12 wasn't one of the better conferences this season, certainly not up to the standards of the Big Ten or the the Big 12, but the Pac-12 came to play in the NCAA tournament with five teams advancing past the first round and into the second round, and the Pac-12 has performed very well in the NCAA tournament, showing that it is a really good conference. And separately, the Big 10, after entering the tournament with nine teams, only one Big 10 team remains, and that is Michigan. The Big Ten saw several upsets in the tournament, especially in the first round. Number 15, Oral Roberts defeating number two, Ohio State. Number 13, North Texas defeating number four, Purdue. And in the second round, number eight, Loyola Chicago defeating the number one seed, Illinois. And number seven, Oregon defeating number two, Iowa. The Big Ten was one of the best conferences this year in college basketball, but Only one team remains, and so it was a bit of a a down tournament for the Big Ten, certainly not up to their standards, as I would expect uh, the Big Ten to have several teams advancing past not only the first round and second round, but only one team remains now, and that's Michigan in the Big Ten. And another trend are the amount of double-digit seeds that have advanced Um, and made it to the second round. You look at number 13, Ohio, defeating number four, Virginia, in the first round. Number 14, Abilene Christian, defeating number three, Texas, in the first round. Number 11, Syracuse, has won both the first and second round games, as well as number 12, Oregon State, and number 15, Oral Roberts. I thought it was exciting watching these double-digit seeds, especially you look at Ohio with Jason Preston, able to lead them to a win over Virginia, and Oral Roberts, what a great story that is. You have Max Amos and Kevin O'Banner, who led Oral Roberts past Ohio State and Florida, two really good teams. So I think it's an interesting trend that double-digit seeds advance past the first and second round. And I think they're, another trend, I, I think, is a lot of team, a lot of experts thought there were going to be several upsets in the first round. You look at especially number four Villanova and number five Creighton, all who many thought could be on upset alert. But both those teams have looked really well and, and looked really good in the first and second rounds. And they move on to the Sweet 16. So I think certainly the double-digit seeds advancing is a trend. But you look at 
some of the the lower seeds, such as Villanova at a four and Creighton at a five, who might have been on upset alert, but are playing really well. And it's been fun as well watching uh, the amount of overtime games in the NCAA first and second rounds. You had three overtime games that were all exciting. And in the first and second rounds, I think it showed that this year also might be the year of the Cinderella in college basketball. You look at Loyola Chicago winning their, their first two games, Oral Roberts as a 15 seed winning their first two games. And there's also teams that probably weren't expected to win their games, but, but they did. They won their first two games. You look at Syracuse as an 11 seed, and you look at Oregon State as a 12 seed. Those teams aren't Cinderella's, but they're higher seeds that have advanced past the first and second round. And it was certainly a, an interesting first and second round um, games in the NCAA tournament. I thought it brought a lot of excitement. Uh, there were a lot of close games, but then there are a lot of teams that showed that they are still dominating college basketball, especially you look at uh, Gonzaga in Michigan has looked really well. And then you have teams that needed to come from behind and win, such as Houston. And you look at other teams that were projected to make it past the first and second round, especially Illinois and, and Iowa and, and Oklahoma State, who didn't advance past the second round. So overall, the first and second rounds, in my opinion, were extremely exciting. Lots of trends and topics to talk about. And now the field of Sweet 16 is set. The Sweet 16 matchups are finally set. And now I'll provide you with insights on each game. First, starting in the West region, you have number one seed Gonzaga versus number five seed Creighton. And Gonzaga has looked really impressive this tournament. And the trio of Kispert, Timmy, and Suggs have all been phenomenal. Gonzaga didn't shoot very well versus Oklahoma, and Oklahoma played really well in the second round game, and Gonzaga still won by 17 points. That's how much offense Gonzaga has. They can score from the perimeter. They can score inside, and Creighton beat a really good UCSB team and an Ohio team that had Jason Preston, and Creighton's Best player, Marcus Zagoreski, is playing really well for Creighton. I think this is going to be a great matchup as Gonzaga is the best team in college basketball. They have a lot of ways they can score offensively. They distribute the ball very well. And Creighton plays with a really good and fast tempo, and I think that should create an exciting matchup. And I would expect a lot of points to be scored in the Creighton versus Gonzaga basketball game. Also in the West region, you have number six, USC, versus number seven, Oregon, a game that features two Pac-12 teams. USC has been led all tournament by Evan Mobley, who looks like a potential NBA lottery pick. And USC has dominated both of their games versus Drake in Kansas. And Oregon looks like a team that is gaining momentum. They had a really big win in the second round versus number two seed Iowa. And Chris Duarte for Oregon is one of the most underrated players in college basketball, in my opinion, is shooting the ball really well and is the leader of that Oregon team. And USC beat Oregon earlier this year. And I think a matchup to watch in this game is Evan Mobley versus Oregon's front court. Luca Garza, one of the best players in college basketball for Iowa, scored over 30 points 
versus Oregon. And Oregon was still able to score enough points and, and win. So I'm, I'm curious to see how Oregon will play Evan Mobley in the post. And Mobley is a very versatile player, great at rebounding, great at blocking shots, can score in the post. And I think USC is going to be – USC needs to, to score points in order – to win and they're going to have to be able to defend Oregon as well as Oregon has proven in the tournament they can score points even if the other team's best player such as Luca Garza for Iowa scores a lot of points so I think this is a really exciting matchup and you have in my opinion two of the most underrated players in college basketball in Chris Duarte for Oregon and Evan Mobley who again is a potential NBA lottery pick for USC, and I think that's going to be a tremendous matchup, and I think a lot of points will also be scored in this game as well. In the East region, the first matchup is the number one seed, Michigan, versus the number four seed, Florida State, and Michigan is coming off a really impressive win versus a very athletic team in LSU who can score a lot of points, and Florida State beat a really good UNC Greensboro team and a Colorado team that had a lot of momentum in the tournament. And I think this is will be a really big game for Michigan as Florida State is very athletic. They have a great guard in Scotty Barnes. And Michigan did a really good job, in my opinion, facing LSU with Watford and Thomas at LSU, who are both terrific scorers. And I'm interested to see how Michigan will match up versus the athleticism and size of Florida State and especially with guard Scotty Barnes. And I'm interested to see how Florida State will defend Hunter Dickinson, who is the best player on Michigan, is, is an absolute force in the post. I think this is a, a game that will come down to Florida State's ability to score points versus Michigan. And I think Michigan will need to control the post play, especially with Hunter Dickinson, and be able to out-rebound an athletic Florida State team. The next matchup in the East region is number two, Alabama versus number 11, UCLA. And UCLA has won three games in the NCAA tournament with the first four games and the first and second round games. And they've played various styles of offense and defense facing Michigan State, BYU, and Abilene Christian. And I think this will be UCLA's biggest game as Alabama is really good. They have a lot of momentum. They can shoot the three. They scored 96 points in a win versus Maryland, and they're playing really well in the tournament. They have a lot of different ways they can score. And I think the key to this game will be can UCLA defend Alabama's offense, especially on the perimeter, and can UCLA not only defend versus Alabama's offense, but can they also score as well? As I think this is another game that has the potential to to be a high-scoring game. And Alabama and, and Coach Nate Oates has done a terrific job. Again, I think Alabama is one of the best team teams in college basketball. And this will be a really difficult game for UCLA, and especially with Alabama's ability to score points. And I think this will be another fun and exciting matchup. In the South region, the first matchup is number one Baylor versus number five Villanova. And I think this might be the best matchup out of all the Sweet 16 games, in my opinion, where you have two teams that look like their preseason rankings. 
Baylor looks like they regained their defensive form as they held both Hartford and Wisconsin to 55 and 63 points. Baylor's getting some really balanced scoring, and they have a combination of Mitchell and Butler who can take over a game. And Villanova is also very balanced offensively, and James Robinson Earl has been terrific for the Wildcats in the tournament. And Villanova is very well coached. I think this is one of Jay Wright's best coaching job because a lot of experts, and including myself, I thought Villanova had a, a good chance of getting upset by Winthrop. And Villanova's doing a great job. They're playing really well. I think this will be an exciting matchup. And, and I'm interested to see if Baylor can get Villanova to turn the ball over because Baylor's defense can create a lot of turnovers. Villanova doesn't turn the ball over, and Baylor was able to get Wisconsin to turn the ball over. I think that'll be a key in this matchup, and I think this will be one of the best Sweet 16 games. Also in the South region, number three seed Arkansas versus number 15 seed Oral Roberts. Oral Roberts has been the story of the NCAA tournament. They have a two-star approach as Abus and O'Banner have scored more points than any other players on the Oral Roberts roster, and they're very exciting to watch. Abus is a great uh, player, can shoot the ball from the outside, and O'Banner can score inside, and that's a really good combination for Oral Roberts. They beat a really good Ohio State team and a, a solid Florida State team as well. And Arkansas beat a good offensive team in, in Colgate, and a good defensive team in Texas Tech. And I'm interested to see how Oral Roberts' star in Amos and O'Banner faces an Arkansas front court that is very athletic. And Moses Moody can carry the team for Arkansas. And I think that's an exciting matchup to watch where you have Moody versus O'Banner and I think this is going to be another good game. I think it could be a high-scoring game because Oral Roberts can score points. Arkansas can certainly score points as well. And I'm really interested to see how Arkansas defends Amos on the perimeter and if they're able, if they're able to limit Amos on the perimeter and also how they'll handle um, O'Banner in the post because Arkansas is really athletic. I think is, this is the most athletic team that Oral Roberts has played all year, and I think it's going to be an exciting matchup. And in the Midwest region, the matchups are number eight, Loyola Chicago versus number 12, Oregon State. And Loyola Chicago continues to win tournament games under head coach Porter Moser with impressive wins versus a very athletic Georgia Tech team and the number one seed, Illinois. And Loyola Chicago has Missouri Valley Conference Player of the Year, Cameron Crutwig, who has been terrific for the Ramblers with his passing ability, hustle, and inside scoring. And what is really impressive to me is that Loyola Chicago held a very athletic Illinois team to only 58 points. And Oregon State is a great story. As I mentioned, they're picked to finish last in the Pac-12. They win the Pac-12 tournament. And now they're in the Sweet 16. They've upset Tennessee and Oklahoma State with Cade Cunningham. And I'm interested to see in this game how Oregon State is going to score versus a really good defensive team and a good rebounding team in Loyola Chicago. 
And if Oregon State can continue to shoot well from the field, as Loyola Chicago is a great defensive team, this is another fun matchup where there are two teams who many did not expect to get past the, the first or second round, and I think this will be another exciting game. And in the Midwest, number two, Houston versus number 11, Syracuse. And in my opinion, Syracuse has been one of the most impressive teams in the NCAA tournament. They dominated a game versus a really good San Diego State team, and they beat a good West Virginia team that had a really good front court. Syracuse zone gives defenses a lot of issues, and there might not be a player in the NCAA tournament who's playing and shooting as well as Buddy Beheim, as Beheim scored 30 points and 25 points in the first two games. Syracuse zone has been phenomenal, limiting opponents um, and their ability to shoot from the three. And Houston has two wins, and both their wins were different. They Houston beat a Cleveland, Cleveland State team, and they had to come from behind beating a, a Rutgers team. And Houston, Grimes is a terrific player, and so is Girardo, and they've been terrific for Houston. And I'm interested to see if Houston is able to move and shift the Syracuse zone in this game, if they're able to get to the rim, and how they'll shoot versus Syracuse 2-3 zone. And also, defensively, if they can contain Buddy Beheim. And I'm interested to see how Syracuse limits Houston's ability to play in transition. And Houston is another good defensive team, so I think Houston is, is going to have to really prepare for the three-point shooting that Syracuse has. It's very difficult for teams to play versus Syracuse zone for the first time. I think this will be an interesting matchup as well. And the next topic, there are many college basketball coaching updates as several schools have filled open positions, and there are still schools with open positions. And the new coaches at schools are George Mason, Kim English. I think that's a terrific hire, Kim English, coming over from the University of Tennessee. I think Coach English will do well in the Atlantic 10, which is a really good conference. University of Minnesota, Ben Johnson, coming over from Xavier, has ties to the University of Minnesota program. I think that's another excellent hire. University of New Mexico hires Richard Patino, who was the previous coach at the University of Minnesota. Penn State gets Micah Shrewsbury from the University of Purdue. I think that's another solid hire as Coach Shrewsbury has a lot of knowledge about the Big Ten Conference. The College of Charleston, new coach is Pat Kelsey coming over from Winthrop. Pat Kelsey has done a great job at Winthrop. I certainly think that is a terrific hire for the College of Charleston. And Albany hired Dwayne Killings, Indiana State, Josh Schertz, Iowa State, TJ Otzelberger, Jacksonville, Jordan Mincy, Portland, Shantae Leggins, Texas State, Terrence Johnson, and Marquette hires Shaka Smart from the University of Texas. I think that it will be a really interesting hire, and I think the Big East basketball just got more exciting with Shaka Smart now at Marquette. There are several open positions as Oklahoma, Lon Kruger, retired at Oklahoma, and I certainly think uh, Lon Kruger might be able to help his son, Kevin Kruger, who is now the head coach at UNLV. I think that'll be interesting as well. Potentially the three biggest college basketball openings, Indiana, Utah, 
and now Texas. I think all three of those are really solid programs or have the potential to be solid programs. I'm really interested to see where those schools go and who they hire for their next head coach. That's all for today on the Sports C3 podcast. Join me next week for more updates on college basketball and the NCAA tournament to see which teams move on to the Elite Eight. Give me a follow on Twitter at the Sports C3 pod and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm your host, WB, and thank you, college basketball fans, for listening to the Sports C3 podcast. Yeah.